Thanks, Jesse. And thanks uh, to the worship team and to Michael uh, for just uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus. What a, what a blessing that was to me this morning. Um, good morning. It's really good to see uh, so many new faces. I, um, my name's Cole. You might not know me. We, uh, since July um, or so, our family's been, uh, we've had the opportunity to help out in the back with our kids' ministry. And it's been a, a tremendous blessing for our family. We've really enjoyed it. But Personally, I've really missed being a part of this service, so it's, it's great to see you all, um, and I'm looking forward to diving into God's uh, Word. Um, one of the things that uh, has sort of struck me uh, recently is just how much in my life I have to be grateful for. Uh, there are so many things that I truly don't deserve, um, but yet the Lord graciously uh, has allowed to be a part of my life. And the first one that I just wanted to mention is my job. So, uh, next January, I celebrate 10 years uh, at Big Trees Today, uh, which has been so much fun. It's crazy to think it's been that long, but I get to work with a, a guy who I consider a really close friend, and um, and that's been super impactful in my life in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, the the job that I have, I enjoy. I mean, it truly is something that I personally am grateful for. Um, another thing that I'm grateful for is our community. So um, we live in a little town called Banks. Um, some of you may have heard of it. Some, <laughs> Jesse has. Uh, some of you have heard of it. Some of you haven't. But a um, little, little town called Banks. And when our kids were in first and second grade, uh, we had the opportunity to, to send them to the school out there. And then about five years ago, moved, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, moved in there. Um, but we, uh, we love the families. We love our neighbors. Um, we're just, we're truly grateful to be a part of a little community in Banks. Um, little side note, there's three or four houses for sale in our development, so if you want to experience that, you're welcome to. Uh, so I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for our community. And, and one of the things I'm really grateful for is this church. Uh, I've been coming to Westside for, it's weird to say, but 31, 32 years now. Um, no, I'm not 50, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, over 30 years and growing up in this church, um, developing relationships that have literally lasted, you know, 30 years is something that um, I personally am really grateful for. Uh, I've got friends who have helped us through some very difficult times. We've had friends who have been able to celebrate some really awesome times and to have that connection with this church has been tremendous for, for our family. Speaking of family, um, I'm thankful for my kids. I'm really grateful for them. They're uh, 14 and 15. Garrett and Emily probably hate it when I preach because they have no idea what I'm about to say, but, uh, but that's okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm really grateful for my kids. They're really fun to be with. Um, they're really nice, pleasant people. Um, one of our favorite things to do as a family is actually at the end of a long day, you know, we all kind of congregate back at home in our living room. We just talk. We just see how people are doing. Um, we get to hear fun stories from the day. And we just get to be together. And, and for me to have what I would consider a, a friendship with my, with my kids is just a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And I'm really, really grateful for our kids. I know I don't deserve uh, to have Emily and Garrett um, and just how wonderful they are. Uh, so I'm thankful for my kids. I'm grateful for my wife. You guys, some of you may know... Um, it's not the easiest thing to be married to me, um, but she, well, you wouldn't know that personally, but uh, you could imagine. 
it's not the easiest thing to be married to me, but my wife has stood with me. We celebrate 18 years of marriage this year, and we actually, yeah, clap for her, but we got, we got married on this stage almost 18 years ago, and, you know, Nicole's, um, forgiven me for so much. She's loved me even when I, um, wasn't lovable, and I, I'm just really, really grateful for, for Nicole this morning. Um, there's so many other things that I'm certainly grateful for, but you know what's interesting is even though I, I have a lot to be thankful for, God has shown me so much grace and mercy that I personally don't deserve, sometimes it does get lost on me. Um, and I would say that sometimes I might become numb to God's grace. Um, we're going to look at a story here in God's Word in a little bit, but... Um, as as we're starting to, to think about this, this passage, I, I just want to ask you a few questions. I mean, as I share all of these things that I personally am grateful for, I'm sure you can think of many things that you can be thankful for, many ways that God has poured out his grace or his mercy on you in your life. And, and you know, I know that sometimes when, when you too much of a good thing, sometimes you just become numb to it. You almost expect it. And I personally feel like in my life that's, that's the case. So just... Uh, I hope you're thinking about all of the good things, but then I also want you to, um, I want to encourage you to think about what is your response? How do you respond to God pouring out his grace or his mercy uh, on you? So that's where we're going to go. Um, but before I went any further, I at least wanted to identify, like, what am I talking about when I say mercy or grace? So this idea of mercy, uh, when I say mercy, what I'm saying is uh, a kindness and compassion. You know, one of, uh, one of the ways that God shows us kindness and compassion or mercy is he doesn't punish us for what, uh, he doesn't punish us for our sin like we actually deserve. So when I talk about mercy, it's, it's withholding that punishment. It's showing kindness and compassion. And then that second word, grace, it has, I would say, similar elements to that. But it adds um, a gift. So kindness and compassion are giving a gift um, uh, to us. And, and God, uh, the best way he showed that was by sending his son to die on the cross in, in our place so that we could have a relationship uh, with him. So, you know, God constantly is pouring out mercy and grace on our life. And when we talk about that here in the next few minutes, that's what I'm referring to. Um, before uh, I read the passage, I just want to stop and pray. Uh, I am oddly nervous. Well, no, it's not odd, but I am nervous. <laughs> uh, but I just want to pray for our time. And, and when I do that, I also want to recognize what I'm about to do. We're about to communicate with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's seated at his throne right now, and we have an opportunity to actually talk to him. The one who created you and me. We're literally going to talk to him right now. And I know that gets lost on me often, but I just wanted to recognize what I'm about to do, and that's to communicate with the one who loves us, the one who created us, and the one who wants a relationship with us. So let's, uh, let's pray. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you. Lord, I thank you for uh, loving me. Lord, I thank you for pouring out your grace on me. Lord, I thank you for all of the amazing people and things that you have put in my life. It's, it's an honor. It's a blessing. It's all these things that I know I do not deserve, but yet you still decided to, to bless me with all these things. And I'm thankful for that. Lord, as we uh, open up your word now, we get to 
read the words of your son, Jesus. Lord, and I pray that these words would not only have more of an impact on on me as they have all week, but that, Lord, these words would also impact uh, the audience this morning. But, Lord, we love you, and we just thank you so much for this time. We thank you uh, mostly for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you, uh, if you have a Bible, uh, feel free to open up to Luke chapter 17. We're going to be looking at a story um, in Luke 17. Um, but I wanted to kind of maybe catch some of you up who haven't been around for a few weeks. We've been going through uh, Bible stories of people who actually had an encounter with Jesus. And um, we get to see the impact that Jesus had on actual people's lives. And, and we're going to see another story um, in Luke chapter 17. Uh, starting in verse 11. So I'll read it, and then I'll make some comments, and then uh, then we'll go from there. But Luke chapter 17, verse 11 says this, On the way to Jerusalem, he, that is Jesus, was passing along between, between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he, and he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So the story starts by kind of telling us that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Um, if you rewind uh, to, to Luke chapter 9, we'll see that Jesus set his gaze or he set his face on Jerusalem. And what he was actually going to do was to be crucified, to die a gruesome death on the cross, but he was working towards Jerusalem. Along the way, he was teaching his disciples, he was teaching crowds, he was sharing parables or stories, and he was healing people, which I don't know um, about you, but if I'm in process to go and, and die for the sins of this world, I'm probably not super concerned about the people around me at that moment. But you know what? Jesus is thankfully much different than me. But here he is heading towards Jerusalem. Um, and as he was getting a little bit closer, he passed by, uh, it calls it a village. It's sort of this unnamed town. I was, I was thinking what this could be like, and um, it would be as if we're in Hillsborough right now, and we're traveling to Gaston, let's say. But on the way to Gaston, we pass through this sort of unnamed place. No offense to anybody, but Cherry Grove, anybody? It's sort of, <laughs> sort of this spot that maybe a lot of people didn't know about. It wasn't, they decided not to put the name of it. But as he was heading to Jerusalem, he passed through, uh, we'll say Cherry Grove. Um, and there, the, the story goes on to say that when, when he got there, he was met by ten lepers. Some of you may know what leprosy is. I um, grew up a wrestler, so I'm quite familiar with skin disease, you know, ringworm, staph. It was all part of my, <laughs> my growing up. Sorry, that might sound gross, but not as gross as leprosy. 
I, um, I came across actually a, a pretty good explanation of what leprosy, the disease, was like in Bible times. And you can plug your ears if you don't want to hear this, but um, I thought it was important uh, to read this morning. So from this article on Christianity Today, it says this. Leprosy was the scourge of the ancient world. Nothing evoked more fear, more dread, or more revulsion than the sight of these walking dead. That is what a leper was called, a walking dead man. The smell of his decaying flesh would announce his coming long before the tattered scraps of his clothing would be seen or his raspy, unclean, unclean announcement that he was required to declare could be heard. The stumbling shuffle of his toeless feet and the wandering of his sightless eyes and the moan of his cheekless mouth all pointed to leprosy. This unseen attacker that slowly destroyed human bodies and made an individual an untouchable to society. That is what these guys were experiencing. And if that wasn't bad enough, the disease itself um, wasn't bad enough. If you got leprosy, it was one, contagious, but two, uncurable. You couldn't cure leprosy with medicine. So this... um, drastically affected these guys' life. They often were kicked out of their communities. They could no longer be a part of their families. They couldn't work for a living. They were excommunicated because of their disease. Um, you, when, when you became leprous, you would likely connect with a few other that were like you. You would create your own colony because you could no longer be a part of the one that you grew up in. This was a horrible disease. So as Jesus was traveling, he encountered uh, this group of of ten guys who all were infected with leprosy. And as um, he entered that that village, um, we can kind of picture this, that Jesus is entering this village as this group of guys. They weren't allowed to even get close to anybody. If you had leprosy, you were required to scream out as much as you could, unclean, unclean. Your voice was affected by this disease. It attacked your larynx, so it was often this raspy or weak sort of unclean cry. But these guys were standing at a distance, and then here they saw Jesus. So as they were, um, as as they looked um, while they were at a distance, they they raised their voices, and and what they said um, was just uh, tremendous. And I to and this doesn't. Put it, this doesn't do it justice, but I want to identify something that, that our family at least experienced and um, maybe some of you did as well. So um, just over three years ago, we canceled our first church service. And I know we're sick of hearing about uh, the dreaded C word, but um, COVID was a thing then. And at, at that time, um, we had to cancel our first church service. Later down the road, our family actually got COVID. I won't say who it was. Garrett, um, but, which probably violates HIPAA, and I'm sorry, but uh, Garrett uh, got COVID, and it was during a football season, and I remember um, we found out he tested positive, so we had to reach out and um, uh, tell the, the coach, hey, our son's got COVID, so they, of course, had to notify everybody else who he had been in contact with, and we get this sort of anonymous email from the coaches that say, hey, somebody on the team got COVID, and so that means your child was exposed, and, and then... Um, and then Garrett didn't show up to the next few practices or the next game. So obviously they knew it was our family. I remember kind of being re-engaged with the football team. And it was like, 
it was, uh, you could tell we, we sort of felt like outcasts. You know, parents would sit a little bit further from us. Um, they wouldn't really talk to us as much. And that was just our little experience with, with COVID. I can only imagine the lepers, uh, multiply that by a thousand and we might be getting close to how they felt, um, in, in their, their culture. They were definitely outcasts. But when they saw Jesus coming, they said these beautiful words. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I think it's interesting a few things there. One, they recognized who Jesus was. They may have seen him do miracles before. They may had heard about him. They, um, but they knew when they saw Jesus coming into Cherry Grove that that was Jesus, the one who could heal. They also identified him as master, the ruler of everything. So they knew who he was, they knew he ruled everything, and they knew he had the power to show them mercy, to heal them of um, their disease. So they, they cry out to him. And what's interesting in this, this part of the story, I don't know if you picked it up when I read it, but Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priests. find that a bit odd. You know, Jesus had the power uh, to heal them on the spot. He'd done that before. Um, if he did, you know, he could have celebrated with the ten guys there. Maybe the crowd that was likely forming would also be able to see this really amazing miracle. He certainly had the power, but he decided instead to tell them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Were they cleansed? Not yet. Did they obey? Uh, for sure. And, you know, I, I think it's really, um, it's really neat how God had the opportunity to just heal them on the spot, but he wanted to... Uh, maybe create an even more teachable moment. Um, I know as, as parents, like we're always looking for teachable moments, and I'm sure you guys thought you were going to get through a, a Cole message without a golf analogy, but nope. Uh, we uh, So many of you know Garrett and I enjoy playing golf together, and, and one of the hardest shots to hit in golf is called the driver off the deck. And if, if you know what I'm talking about, it's um, with the driver, which is designed to hit a golf ball suspended two to three inches in the air, if you hit it on the ground, the, the club just is not designed for that. It's really, really difficult to do, but boy, is it fun. Um, and I, I remember when Garrett started playing golf, he sort of was falling in love with the shot called the driver off the deck. And it's impossible to do it in the fairway. It's even more impossible to do it in the rough. And I remember multiple times kind of seeing Garrett pull out his driver from the rough because we're on a par five and he wants to hit it as far as he can. I remember thinking, I should say something. But then I also remember thinking, here's a teachable moment. Here's an opportunity for Garrett to actually experience what can happen. And he tried it quite a few times. And sometimes it was was successful, but more often than not, it was not. So he learned more from his experience than he would have if I just said, don't do that. Grab the seven iron. And I think in, in this scenario, God had shown how he could heal. But he had an opportunity to show and, and tell an even greater story or message. So the story goes on and, um, and it says that the, the ten guys, they started to walk towards the priest. And wouldn't you know it, as they were walking, it says they were cleansed. And that's amazing. God says, go, they go, and he heals them. So you could almost picture this group of ten guys like, like just seeing their fingers maybe grow back or their skin clear up or their voices all of a sudden are just uh, booming. All of these things started happening on their trip uh, to the priest. 
I could picture them high-fiving, maybe hugging, and just really celebrating what was happening to them. And, you know, the the guys, keep in mind, they were excommunicated. They probably couldn't wait to go and show themselves to the priest. They wanted to go get cleared by the, the priest because that's what you were supposed to do. And then they probably were looking forward to embracing family members or going back to their, their temple or, or whatever. They were certainly excited about worshiping God. But they thought God was in the temple. One of them realized that God was back there um, in human flesh. So uh, as, as they went, we're going to pick up the story here in verse 15 if you're following along. Verse 15 says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. He wanted to run back to Jesus. He realized that he was just cured of this horrible disease, and he wanted to go back and offer gratitude for the grace that God had showed him. So he he ran back. You know, I think it's easy if we read the story. I struggled with this uh, myself during the week. We We look at the nine, and we think, man... What what losers or how dare them, all of those things. But we do have to remember they were just acting in obedience, in faithful obedience, heading to do what God had, had told them. So while it's easy to pick on the nine, let's, let's give them a break. Um, but what's amazing is what happened with the one who turned around. And let's see what he did. So in, uh, in verse 15 and 16, it goes on to say that, that he, t- he turned around and he did three things. First, he started praising God in a loud voice. Keep in mind, this is the guy whose voice was raspy. It was weak. And he proclaimed boldly and loudly um, uh, to, to Jesus. Um, I had a, a friend in high school who, who suffered a sports injury. Well, actually, it was a choir injury. Um, she uh, she had like something happened in choir. Maybe she overused her vocal cords, and and um, she basically couldn't talk. And she was uh, prescribed to not talk for thirty days. She would walk around with like a notebook, and um, that that's how she would communicate is write whatever she wanted to say. Because literally, she couldn't talk for thirty days, which for a high school girl. No offense. I'm sure it's hard. <laughs> um, but she did it. And I, and I remember being with the group um, the day that she actually talked for the first time after 30 days of zero, zero talking. And her, her voice was like, it was weak. It was meek. She was almost afraid to use her, her vocal cords. Um, it was really interesting when you don't use something very much for that long. You're, you're afraid. But you know who wasn't afraid to yell loudly? was this man who was healed. So he went and he praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and he gave thanks. Wow, what an example. You know, um, this man had not become numb to God's grace or God's mercy. Um, he experienced uh, uh, he experienced Jesus cleansing him from this disease and he responded in worship. Now let's find out why. In verse, it's interesting in verse 16, the, the Luke decided to point out this one minor thing. Not so minor. It says, now he was a Samaritan. I, I truly have a question, and if you, guys, if you guys want to answer, I'd love it. But when I say the word Samaritan, or use that word, what comes to mind? Any, any, anything? Helpful? Friend, yep, right, yep. What else? Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, I heard helpful, friend. You know, I think of things like hospital, uh, Good Samaritan Hospital. I think of shoeboxes, you know, Samaritan's Purse. Um, I, I often have a, and I think generally our culture does have a positive connotation when we think of the, the phrase Samaritan. You know, but that just wasn't true um, in Bible times. Um, the, in, in Bible times, the Samaritan people were thought of as a compromised group. They um, worshipped a different God. They, um, they believed certainly in maybe the first five books of, of the Old Testament, but the rest, the, the prophets and all the Jewish traditions, they just threw out. They created their own religion. Um, they uh, worshipped God at a different place, or, and, and everything. Uh, another thing that was um, seen as bad, they would intermarry Jews and Gentiles, and that was horrible in, in Bible times. But the, the Samaritan people were a very compromised people group. And this one man who turned around was a Samaritan. You could imagine um, being infected with leprosy. He probably cried out to his God for healing. He probably wanted to have mercy and grace in his life. But this was the first time he experienced true grace and mercy. And I'm just uh, so thankful for his example. When when he experienced it, uh, he couldn't help but go back and give thanks and praise. And he is, he's been a great example to me this week. I, I have identified in my life, I respond way more like the nine in a lot of areas of my life than I do the one. And I've been personally convicted, and I hope that you are too, that when, when God pours out his grace or his mercy towards you, I just pray that we respond more like the one who received it for the first time. The story uh, goes on to say in verse 17 and 18, Then Jesus answered, "Where uh, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give thank or give praise to God except this foreigner? You know, I've wrestled with this all week. Just, you know, why in the world did the nine not go back? And um, there's probably a handful of reasons. One observation, though, I made is it identifies the one as a Samaritan. It would be pretty easy to assume that the nine were Jews. They likely had a relationship with God. They likely had experienced his grace or mercy. Um, they may have just expected it. Um, I pray that we, even though so much grace and mercy is poured out on us, that we don't come to just expect it, that we are in awe every time God shows his grace and mercy. I want to be more like the Samaritan. The final uh, verse of this passage uh, says a few just amazing words that I am just so grateful for. It's in verse 19. Jesus says to this Samaritan who's, who's laying at his feet, praising and worshiping God, he looks at him and says, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, Jesus used that phrase quite a bit. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well when he performed miracles. And here again, he looks at this man and says, your faith has made you well. This man needed to be saved. He needed Jesus. And you know what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say your good deeds have made you well. He didn't say your involvement in a local church has made you well. He didn't say your family heritage has made you well. He said your faith has made you well. You know, God doesn't ask for our service to the church. He doesn't ask for our attendance. He wants our faith. 
Uh, Romans, um, if you want, you can turn there. Um, some of you may know this verse, but Romans 10 verse 9 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe or have faith in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, what will happen? We will be saved. And I am, um, I'm beyond grateful that, you know, at a pretty young age, uh, I realized I was a sinner. Um, it was obvious probably to my parents more than me, but I realized I was a sinner and I knew I needed Jesus. I knew that my personal good deeds couldn't pay the price for the sins that I was committing. And um, at a young age, I realized that you know God sent his son Jesus to live on this life um, who was tempted in every way, but yet was without sin. He came here to die on the cross for me and my sins. He took the place on that cross for me. And uh, and I, I knew that to be true when I was young, and I wish I could tell you, boy, life has been so smooth sailing ever since. But many of you who know my story know that that's just not the case. I've, I have struggles. I've had struggles. The Lord's helped me overcome some of them, but I still have so many more I'm working on. But one thing I do know is I spent a lot of my young adult years running away from God. Um, trying to go faster and faster away from him, but he was pursuing me the whole time. He was right there behind me, just wanting that relationship with me. Um, I committed to engaging in his word on a regular basis, and that changed my life. And for that, I'm forever grateful. Uh, God is so good, guys. <laughs> he is so good. And I, um, I just can't imagine my life without him. I want to just identify uh, uh, four points uh, from this story. And then uh, we're going to be able to sing one more song. But the first uh, point that I want to uh, want to make is we are no different than the lepers. We are all unclean before God. The second point, we should all be crying out for God's grace. We all need it. God is there pouring out his grace. We just need to recognize it and, and cry out to him and, and, and he will he will pour that out for sure. And the third thing I wanted to point out was when Jesus tells us to do something, we need to have obedient faith. I'm sure a lot of you can think of times where you felt prompted by God to do something. Um, Be obedient. Have obedient faith. And then the fourth uh, and final point is when Jesus extends his grace to you, respond like the Samaritan. Be grateful. Be thankful. I... uh, I can only imagine um, what our, all of our lives would be like if, if we took this to heart, if when we walked out those doors, we responded to God's grace with tremendous gratitude and, and thanksgiving. Could you imagine, like for you who are in school, we've got some middle schoolers and high schoolers in here, if you were one who responded to God's grace with thanks, uh, thanksgiving, could you imagine the impact that, that might have on some of your friends? I know for me in my life, could I imagine the impact that that could have on some of my unsaved coworkers? Um, the Lord has put so many people in our lives, and if we respond to what he has done for us with praise and thanksgiving, I think that that could really impact those around us. It could impact our community. Um, it could impact everything. You know, God is on his throne, and he's pouring out his grace um, over us. We just need to receive it and be thankful. The team's going to come back up, and they're going to uh, sing one more song. And at the, the end of that song, the bridge, it says, it says this. It, it's the song we sang earlier is Mercy. But the bridge says, May I never lose the wonder. Oh, the wonder of your mercy. May I sing an alleluia.
Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, I'm going to invite him up and I'm going to pray. Um, Jesus, dear Lord, we just thank you so much for this, this day, this opportunity. Lord, I thank you um, that we can come before you. We can open up your word. Lord, we can see um, all the ways that you have um, poured out your grace and your mercy onto us. Lord, I pray that that um, that we don't become numb to that. Lord, I pray that uh, as we see the, the blessings that you've given us, Lord, that we would respond with, with thanksgiving um, to you. Lord, we love you and we just thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.